Well, hey there, thanks so much for joining us here at Next Level Church Online. My name is Joseph McMurray. I'm the teaching pastor here at Next Level Church. The last time that we were gathered together in person, I was speaking with Pastor Doug, and he told me that uh, someone who just started attending Next Level Church has figured out a way to identify the different pastors that you see on stage. They said that Pastor Doug is the t-shirt guy, and that I, Pastor Joseph, am the sports jersey guy, and that Pastor Clay is the plaid guy. So I decided today that I would wear my Charlotte FC jersey in anticipation of this weekend's match between Charlotte FC and Nashville SC. So um, I can live up to my uh, billing as the sports jersey guy. Today we're beginning a new series called Theology Matters. And as we begin this series, you may be asking yourself, why? Does theology matter? Or maybe even, does theology matter? You might even be asking, what is theology? That last question is is somewhat easy to answer in that theology is the formal study of the nature of God. From there, it gets a little bit complex because theology can be used to describe many different branches of religious study. Historical theology, philosophical theology, systematic theology, biblical theology, and so on and so forth. Our understanding of the nature of God matters. Why? Because having an understanding of God, of who God is, and of his incredible love for you and for me, and how he desires for us to interact with the world around us, we get to experience the freedom that is ours in a relationship with God through Jesus. And we get to have fellowship with one another. You might ask, isn't it enough that I believe in God? Isn't it enough that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and that he rose from the grave and now I will not perish but have everlasting life, John three sixteen. Yes, that's a great place to start. But for many of us who have been around the church, that is, you know, church with a little c, the followers of Jesus, and who have been part of a church, like Big C, First Baptist Church, First Presbyterian Church, Pick a Road, Church of Christ, we've been taught many different things and heard many different interpretations of what the Bible means when it says this thing or that. Whether we realize it or not, our worldview has been shaped by what we believe about the nature of God and his love for us. What we believe about his role or or his presence in our lives, about his desire for us as citizens of earth, about his expectations of us, and on and on and on. One thing that's true about the people of God is that we just don't get along. It's sad but true that many people who claim to be followers of Jesus, lovers of God, just don't get along. We don't agree with each other's interpretations of Scripture or each other's interpretation of the nature of God. So we try to find a group of people whose theology and ideologies match up with ours. And once we find that group, we huddle up. 
Coach John Wooden, who is a famous basketball coach from UCLA, once said that the church is a lot like a football huddle. You can tell there's a lot going on in there, but all you ever see are their backsides. It's true, isn't it? We huddle up based on our similar beliefs and our preferred worship styles. And the good news is that if I get mad at somebody in in one church, I'm pretty much always welcome to go huddle up at another church. I'm being somewhat sarcastic and crass, but there's truth in it as well. At the root of what we believe and how we practice what we believe, there's theology. There's the study of the nature of God, or better yet, the pursuit of the understanding of who God is and how that does or how that should impact who we are. Ultimately, what we want to do as we walk through this series together is shine a light on some common misunderstandings of theology that are not only unbiblical, but have a tendency to turn people away from the true freedom that Jesus offers. So today, I want to spend some time talking about a word that we might hear often in a church setting, and that word is salvation. One thing that's true about our vocabulary is that we overuse words a lot. For example, the word love. We might say something like, hey, did you see the new Minions movie? Oh, yeah, I love it. Or we might say, hey, have you eaten at White Duck Taco? Oh, yeah, that place is great. I love it. And apparently we love lots of different things. We overuse the word love. We overuse the word like Sometimes it's just a colloquial pause for people. We, we hear the word a million times. It's like a million degrees outside, or she was like totally crazy. Or how about our automatic responses to, to questions? Someone asks, hey, how are you? We automatically, response, we automatically respond by saying, good, how are you? It's, I feel like that's ingrained in me. Someone says, hey, how's it going? Good, how's, how's it going for you? Hey, good, how are you? Everyone answers that way, almost everyone. It doesn't matter if your, your dog just died or you're worried about your finances or you're worried about your family falling apart. Pretty much everyone answers when, when you, someone says, hey, how's it going? Your response is, good, how are you? We say and use these words and phrases so much that we don't really think about them. And sometimes, I know I'm guilty of this, we use words without really knowing what they mean. Take the word literally. People say things like, I was literally dying of boredom. No, dying of boredom isn't even a thing. Or I may or may not have heard one of my children say to the other, you are literally the most annoying person in the world. To which my response is usually something like, Napoleon, like anyone could even know that. The word literally gets used a lot, but I don't think everyone knows what it means. If they did, they would literally die of embarrassment. You see what I did there? The point is, we use words all the time without really understanding what they mean. And one place that this happens a lot is in the church, whether it's our church or the church in general. There are a lot of churchy God words, and people who go to church all the time use them all the time. 
If you come to church a lot, you may not even realize it. But if you're new to church, new to faith, you hear these words and you think, are are they speaking a different language? What are they even talking about? Salvation is one of these words. Some people use another version. They'll say say saved. Maybe you've heard someone say Jesus saves or, or ask you, are you saved? You probably already know that the word itself, salvation, means to be rescued from something. So in the church, it's often used to describe the, the moment that someone says a, a prayer and, and asks Jesus to save them or asks Jesus to come into their life, to be their savior. And we talk about that moment when we got saved. And it's almost like magic, right? Poof, our sin is gone, we're saved. But there's a problem with that, isn't there? The problem is that Everyone who does that, everyone who prays a prayer or makes a commitment and and gets saved from their sin, still sins. We're still human. We're still a part of a flawed humanity. We see this over and over and over. And maybe you've seen people who call themselves Christians, who, who, who talk about how they've experienced salvation, but there's no evidence. There's no change in their life. So you've decided that salvation must not really be a real thing. Or maybe for others of you, you've decided to follow Jesus. You've decided to become a Christian and and thought that this whole issue with sin would just go away once you invited Jesus to come into your life. And you've been frustrated ever since because no matter how hard you try, you just keep sinning. Which makes you wonder if the prayer that you prayed or the whole salvation thing even worked for you. Did it really take? It's confusing, isn't it? We think, is this really what Jesus wanted when he came to earth and died? Was it really so that we could pray a prayer or make a one-time commitment that doesn't really stick? Stop me from treating the people in my life like garbage or or saying horrible things or thinking twisted thoughts. Have you ever wondered if maybe we've misunderstood the word altogether, that, that we aren't really sure what salvation means? What if the way we see salvation is different than what Jesus intended? And what if we're missing out on something much bigger than what we've ever imagined? The Apostle Paul had some great insights into what salvation actually means. Paul, whom we talk about often because he wrote so much of the the part of the Bible we call the New Testament, he's considered one of the most important figures in early Christianity. In fact, he, he founded many churches in the ancient world, and many of his writings were directed to the folks who were in those groups of people. And when he talked about salvation, people listened. One of the churches to whom he wrote was a church in the city of Philippi, located in eastern Macedonia. And in, in a letter to that church, Paul says something that hopefully will resolve a lot of the tension we feel about the word salvation. Paul says this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, Therefore, 
And anytime we see a therefore, we need to find out what it is therefore. He had just, he had just given some instruction to believers in Jesus to, to have the mind of Christ, to have the same attitude as Christ, who, who didn't see equality with God, something to be grasped, but instead made himself the sacrifice for us. So have a mind like Jesus. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I want to I, I, I make sure that you caught what he said about salvation. He said, continue to work out your salvation, continue. That would be a strange way to talk about salvation if it's supposed to be about a one-time prayer, one-moment occurrence. That's because according to Paul, salvation is not just a moment. It's not a point on your map. In other words, Paul says that salvation is more than just a prayer that qualifies you for heaven. Salvation is more than something that, that happened when you were a little kid, more than what happened last summer when you went to camp. Paul says that salvation is something you continue to work out today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life. Now, not because you have to be good enough. We've, we've talked much about that here. Not because you have to, to earn your salvation day by day. Not because there's anything else you can do to make God love you more or anything you can do to make him love you less. And not because your prayer of salvation didn't take when you made a commitment to follow Jesus. Paul is saying this, salvation is an ongoing relationship, not just a one-time prayer. You get that? Salvation is an ongoing relationship, not just a one-time prayer. It's a relationship, a partnership to fulfill God's good purpose in you. When we say that we've been saved, we say that we've been saved from our own sin. Now, this is another tricky word that gets tossed around in the church a lot. Simply put, Sin is missing the mark. It's when something in our life is off target and we fail to live up to the standard that God expects. When we receive salvation, does it mean that we're never going to sin again, that we'll never miss the mark again? No, that's not what it means at all. But it does mean that we can ask God to help us confront our sinful nature. In other words, once we're saved, once we have received salvation, sin does something different to us. So when you sin, which you will, your experience with sin is different once you have trusted Jesus and begun to follow him than it was before you entered into that relationship. Because now, Having experienced salvation and following Jesus, when you do sin, it's going to hurt you in a different way. You're going to experience guilt, or you'll feel this other word that we hear in the church often, conviction. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you, convicting you, making you feel guilty of what you are doing, thinking, saying, that is missing the mark. 
But instead of drowning in that feeling, instead of hating ourselves or, or giving in to the things that make us feel awful, salvation saves us. It takes away the power of sin in our lives because salvation says that what we do doesn't define who we are. Who we are now is defined what Jesus did on the cross for us. Paul talks about this in, in, an, in another uh, book, in another letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, out of context. But you can go back and read the context. He says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What Jesus has already done on the cross has put you who believe in a righteous position with God. Salvation says, hey, turn away from that life. Turn away from the old self. Turn away from who you were before Jesus. Free yourself from the hurt and the guilt and the shame that comes with sin because of what Jesus has done for you, you're forgiven. And now that you have been forgiven, go and make a better decision next time. Remember what has been done for you and you are no longer a slave to that sin. Go and make a, a better decision next time. And just like God rescued you through salvation when you initially trusted Jesus, God continues to offer himself as the one to rescue you today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that. That's the gospel. Our understanding of our constant need for Jesus and his healing work in our lives. Have you ever had a, a, a really nasty cut? Something that, that broke the skin and made you bleed? I, I, have, I have a scar on my ring finger from when I was a little kid. I, I was going to put something in the trash, and the trash can, it was uh, like an indoor trash can in our house, the trash can was, was full, and so whatever it was that I was trying to put in the trash can, I took it and, and shoved it down into the trash so that I could compact the trash that was already in the can. But what I didn't know was that my mom had put some broken glass in the trash can from a busted picture frame. So when I shoved that glass sliced my finger open. Now, without any of the other details, we went and got it taken care of. But eventually, my mom put something on the cut to help it heal. Neosporin. Because Neosporin is a salve. A salve is something that you use to help something that's, that's broken or torn to heal and grow back together again. Did you know that the word salve comes from the same Latin root word as the word salvation? See, when Paul talks about us working out our salvation, he's talking about the idea of healing, of restoration. God wants us to be healed from the effects of sin so that we can be who God intends for us to be. That's his good purpose. And he wants us to be healed and made whole. 
And that healing and making whole, that restoration, takes time. The salvation that we continue to work out is about healing. And that keeps going on. It is healing from shame when we make a wrong choice. So instead of beating ourselves up about messing up again, we can remember what Jesus did for us. Working out our salvation means learning to remember that what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross is the most important thing about us. Don't miss this. That what Jesus did on the cross for you is the most important thing about you because it makes you a new creation. This ongoing salvation is it's healing from the distance that sin creates between us and God and us and others. That distance is, is broken relationship. Working out our salvation means learning how to move toward God, learning how to move toward others when we have hurt them or wronged them. We are healed from our pride so that we can admit our mistakes and be reunited. It's healing from the bitterness that we have toward people who have hurt us. Working out our salvation means that we can be healed from the anger that we feel that we feel toward an ex. We can, be, we can be healed from the resentment that we have toward a parent. It's healing from anything and everything that sin has broken. Receiving this healing and working out our salvation is a process. It's so much more than a one-time prayer. Salvation is growing into who Jesus has said you are. And learning to let your life look like what Jesus has said it could be. Now, maybe you've never really thought about salvation before at all. And if that's you, we would love to talk with you about that. You can make the decision today to follow Jesus and then begin the process of allowing God to heal you. It is more than just a one time I said a prayer or one time I made a commitment and now poof, I'm just going to be a completely different person. No, it's an ongoing process. Maybe you prayed a prayer one time. Maybe one time you made a commitment to follow Jesus and it was long ago, but you don't really feel like your life is any different. Maybe that's because you haven't really started letting Jesus heal you. You haven't, you haven't allowed salvation to work in your life and change you and transform you. Now remember this, salvation is more than a moment. It is an ongoing relationship that brings healing in the places you need it most. Here's the thing, like any good dad, your heavenly father wants more than just one conversation with you. He has so much more for you than just a one-time prayer or a one-time interaction with him. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to fulfill his good purpose in you. He wants you to experience salvation and a healing that begins in one moment, but then continues every single day. Understanding this 
ongoing, continuous work of salvation in your life and in mine is one example of why theology matters. Let's pray together. God, I, I pray that as we consider the truth of your word, as we consider the message that, that Paul gives us to continue to work out our salvation, that, that we would recognize that salvation is not just a, a, a point on a timeline, but it is an ongoing thing of growing in you, of, of learning about your incredible love for us and allowing you to heal every aspect of our life for as long as we call this planet home. Father, work in our hearts. Heal us from within. Restore our relationship with you. Restore our relationship with others. God, that we might walk with you and fulfill your good purpose in our lives. To be restored to you, to be healed, to be useful in your kingdom, to show your love to the people around us that we interact with every day. And God, would you do that and move and work in us in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. I, I hope that the message that you heard today spoke to your heart and um, that as you think about salvation, you would recognize that it's not just a moment in time, but a continual process of growing and of healing. Uh, if, you, if you enjoyed our, our message today, I want to invite you to, to like and share it. And if you would like to support the ministries of Next Level Church, please, please, please feel free to give uh, by clicking on the Give button on our website at nextlevelchurch.org. As we go today, I want to read over you one final word of benediction, again from Paul in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Therefore, my friends, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Friends, may you continue to work out your salvation. And just as Paul said, continue to experience the healing of God as you walk in the freedom that Jesus offers. God bless you.